Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Dave, and I think I pretty frequently make the claim that I'm busy, and it's it's usually true. I think it's always true. I've always got something going on, but this time, you guys, I'm really, really busy. We just recorded the 200th episode of the needless things podcast live at the in town coffee house. Uh, if you missed it, I'm sorry, you missed a tremendous event that came off far better than I ever could have imagined. So many people came together to create something so special that as long as I live, it's going to be one of the proudest moments of my entire life. Uh, uh, so many special people came together and, and just worked really hard and it was amazing and I'm so proud of what we accomplished and how well we accomplished it. Now, if you weren't there and most of you weren't, uh, you can hear the show not this next week but the week after that because that's the 200th episode and I will also be posting the video that our pal Wilson, who filmed the Troublemaker documentary that will be coming out sometime this year, uh, he came out and he filmed the 200th. And I have seen his cut of what we filmed, and it requires very little work to make it publishable, releasable, I don't know, whatever. And it's going to be released in video format somewhere. Maybe YouTube, maybe Vimeo. I don't know. One of those places. So not only two weeks from now will you be able to hear the 200th episode, but there will also be a full video episode type thing. Full production. Pardon me. I had to take a little swig of water there. I'm a little, I'm a little dried out. I'm a little tired. It's 4.45 in the morning here in the Phantom Zone, which I am halfway considering renaming Westworld, uh, you know, now that I've come out of the mask closet or whatever. But uh, I, I'm a little I'm a little dried up. I've been working hard, you guys. But 200 is two weeks away, and it was amazing, and I'm very excited for you guys to hear it and to see it. Uh, today's episode is the second part of me and Mr. Bo Brown's far-ranging conversation about Masters of the Universe. Now, the first one, we we went a little far afield of the topic, but mostly discussed the 2017 toy line, uh, toy releases, rather. In this episode, we get a little wacky, you guys. We talk about all kinds of things, not all of which are Masters of the Universe. I go off on some tangents. Uh, Bo humors me. It's it's one of the 
most free-form episodes of the Needless Things podcast that has been recorded to date. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. And, and I'll be honest with you, this would not have been a bad 200th episode. If, if everything had fallen through with the live show, which fortunately, not only did it not fall through, it came off spectacularly. But, uh, this one, this one would have been notable. This would have been solid. But now you guys are getting it for episode 198, and I'm happy for that. Now, the reason I'm so busy and so tired and so parched and in need of hydration is that I've been working my butt off because tonight, to you guys, we are performing the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show at Days of the Dead Atlanta for the first time. Now, this is only the second show we have done somewhere other than Dragon Con. We're very excited. we got a lot of cool stuff planned. And chances are, if you didn't already know about it, you're probably not going to be there. But it's going to be a lot of fun. And then tomorrow is a Toy Stories panel, also at Days of the Dead. Uh, I'm very, very proud that Needless Things and the Dirty Con Game Show could be part of this convention because it's such a fun low-key awesome horror convention where you can meet some of the coolest people because the guests they always have really cool guests but it's it's much smaller scale than dragon con so the guests are kind of just hanging out and having fun with everybody else but you guys already know that because last week's episode which i hope you listened to was our pal Son of Celluloid, Nathan Hamilton, talking all about Days of the Dead with yours truly. So you you hopefully have heard everything that you need to hear about Days of the Dead. But I'm very, very excited. Days of the Dead is going on all weekend. Uh, by the time you listen to this, I'm probably already down there and immersed in horror partying. Uh, I've got a new suit for the game show. I don't know yet what I'm wearing for the Toy Stories panel but I do know that our pals Ryan Cadaver and Battle Cougar are going to be on that Toy Stories panel. Uh, Andrew Bones, maybe. Some other art-slash-toy-dealer luminaries could show up. Uh, I don't have a solid guest list for that yet, but uh, it's, it's going to be awesome. This is going to be a great time. And Atlanta is taking over Days of the Dead. Saturday night, Casket Creatures and Elzig are playing the main event of Days of the Dead. And I have 4 o'clock is Toy Stories. After that, I've got nothing on the schedule. I'm going to be partying my buns off, you guys. It's going to be a good time. Uh, we, we've actually got uh, somebody coming to stay with Little Troublemaker here in the Phantom Zone slash Westworld. So it's going to be party time all weekend long. Woo. I think that's about all I've got for you as far as an intro this week because me and Mr. Bo Brown cover a lot of ground. So I'm going to go ahead and say, if you go to NeedlessThingsPodcast.com, click on that big old Amazon box in the top right corner, order your stuff there. Order whatever. Order anything you want. If you need a mask for a horror convention, order it there. If you need replacement toothbrush heads, order them there. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and every little bit that you spend there helps us out. We get a little kickback. costs you nothing extra. So go to NeedlessThingsPodcast.com, order your stuff through the Amazon link, and help us out. All right, you guys, uh, it is time for me and Mr. Bo Brown to get down in downtown Eternia talking about Masters of the Universe. Enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs> 
talk about how we got into he-man because I would love I, to. we've you and i have talked like i said in earlier podcasts we've kind of thrown it out here and there but let's make a cohesive bo brown and dave west's which by the way i think this is the first time bo brown and dave west have talked about he-man Ooh, that's true it it's is. always been dave and the bo and the phantom yeah right so yeah. how did Bo Brown and Dave West get into He-Man? What did, now you're a little bit you're a bit younger than me, so actually I'm gonna s- not not that much a little bit. What are you? What are you? You're thirty eight. Thirty eight. Oh, I thought you were younger than that. It's oh, my youthful exuberance. You uh, yeah. Most, most people think I'm younger than I am. You've you do have a tremendous amount of youthful exuberance. Thank um, you. Thank you. I'm uh, just to be fair for the listeners, I'm forty one. Uh, I well you I know you, but I could, I could pass it I could pass it like 35. Uh, I dude, I think you could pass younger than that. Ooh. I really right. do. I think it. you could be okay. a sexy 28. I'm not lying. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, you, yeah not an HD. Not you an HD, would you but. would be <laughs> <laughs> on stage on stage, yes. Not not an HD. You 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 would be some bear's delightful young treat. I'm not lying. Uh Let's start with you since you're the guest. What was your gateway into He-Man? You know, it's hard to say because I, I was young uh, when when it all went down. I, I have I have very young memories, very specific memories um, of of the the vintage line. I have a memory of being in preschool. And having a Cobra Khan figure, and I remember sitting in a hallway in the preschool, which was a church, because that's what you do when you're poor. You send your you send your your kids to church for preschool. Well, when you're poor or you're religious, <laughs> or you're religious. Yeah. <laughs> but my parents weren't religious, and, and and church preschool is just cheap, right? Because because you know churches are like cigarette companies. You just got to get them while you're while they're young. Is their attitude. <laughs> And that's why they offer really cheap preschool. So they're like, hey, kid, you want to hear about Jesus? Oh, my gosh. That's like, so, What's that? That's so cynical and yet so true. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely true. Um, and I remember sitting in the hallway of the preschool and, like, putting water in my Cobra Khan figure and squirting it into my mouth to, to like, drink water out of sure. it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um. Do you want to hear a crazy side note preschool story? Of course I do. Okay. So do you remember your your basic set of of wooden building blocks? Yes. Right. So there's like Are you talking about the ones with the letters on them? Or... No, no, no. No, no, no. Like 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 the wooden, no paint, no numbers, no nothing. Like basic shapes. Okay. There's triangles and trapezoids there's, there's and triangle. No, no, no. There's no trapezoids and building blocks. There's No. There's the arch. 
There are a bunch of rectangles. Oh, okay, I'm with you. I'm with there's, you. And then there's the wedge, the and long wedge. And they're all made of like they're they're Just varnished wood. pine. Yeah, right. So you know the wedge. You know the one I'm talking about, right? Yes. Yes. Long. It's like four or five inches long. It looks like a doorstop. Looks exactly like a doorstop. So there were two troublemaker kids in my preschool class. Ooh. I remember this much. Ooh. And they were in the blocks area, and there was an altercation. Oh, man. And one of the kids picked up the wedge and jammed it into the top of the other kid's head. What? <laughs> I'm not fucking kidding at all. Oh, there was blood. It was the first time I'd ever – it was the first time as a human, like in my life, I had seen a significant amount of blood. Oh, my gosh. It was crazy. Like the police showed up. The ambulance showed up. It was crazy. This kid literally, like, you know the sword and the stone? Yeah. It was that in reverse. Oh, like, my gosh. It jammed the fucking wedge into the top of this kid's head and blood. And he's not that strong, Whoa. you know. But, but you're was, you're in preschool. It was insane. So you, it was you've, insane. you've still yeah. got, like, some soft spot up there. Yeah. It was crazy. Blood was everywhere. Oh. It was... It was in fact, bonkers. <laughs> I feel uh, like this is the Pee Wee's Playhouse word of the day. It I is hope the totally word of the I show. I hope the listeners are all screaming and yelling well, when we say bonkers. It's not just word of the show. I mean, for me, it's word of the year. I mean, this sure, is sure. Bonkers, it's the word of the year. I'm down with that. Uh, but but it, it was it was it was in fact completely bonkers. I had never experienced anything like that. Um, uh, so yeah. So sidebar blood. Uh, not the first time that I've experienced a shitload of blood in my in my life, but really? you know, that's a story for another time. Oh boy, oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, so so yeah, so so. But other memories I have these other memories of uh, my mom going away on a trip and she brought me back a whiplash. I remember being sort of at an airport and and she brought me back a whiplash. I have some specific mem- memories about getting web store. Um, and uh, it was what attracted me to He-Man as a kid, uh, which then translated into uh, to to other toy lines. Um, was the variety? Yeah. What was the variety of characters? The the bigness of them, and you know, and that was you know when you when you list when you research or learn about Mattel and what they were doing, you know, the main competitors were Star Wars, GI Joe. And, and the fact that, that He-Man figures were so big, um, and then we don't really think about them as big now, but but when you look at them against a G.I. Joe or a Kenner, you know, oh, sure, sure. A, a Kenner he, a Star Wars figure, I mean, you know, your He-Man figure is bigger than a Star Wars vehicle. Well, Star Wars at the time, and and look, I to to be uh, for for ultimate transparency here. This is only fresh in my mind because I just watched the toys that made us, which listeners, dude, the, here's the thing, the He-Man episode, uh, I don't know, I don't know that any of the episodes told me a whole lot that I didn't already know aside from the Barbie episode, which I didn't know anything about, but I've, I've seen online a lot of people say, oh, I skipped the Barbie episode. Motherfuckers, you need to go back and watch that Barbie episode episode. because that shit is crazy. The yeah. people that made Barbie were crazy. <laughs> um, 
Barbie is easily the most dramatic and insane one of all of them. But the Masters episode really just, it's, it's really interesting and it's a lot of information that I already knew presented in a more cohesive narrative form. Sure. But it disappointed me because out of all the episodes, they curse a whole lot. And I'd like to sit down and watch it with my son. And yeah, he's heard all the words, but at the same time, we're so I, what you want to do. Yeah, yeah, right. I don't need my dad or my dad. I don't need my son seeing the guy that created He-Man saying fuck like five times. Right. Uh, the, I, I felt like that was an That's odd decision bad, yeah. on the part of the producers, but uh, it's a solid thing. But they said that the main competition at the time, because G.I. Uh, Joe and He-Man came out right around the same time but star wars was the big beast in the market yes star wars was the one that everybody wanted to kill yeah uh and that's what they talk about in that episode they talk specifically about mm-hmm. like you know i looked at the star wars figures and they were these skinny little figures and then we looked at our he-man and he's this big muscular powerful man and we were like yeah we got gold yep Yep, that's what it was, and and it wasn't. I, for me, it wasn't. It really wasn't the the muscular musc muscality, or I don't need that's not even a word. But I like it wasn't the muscles. We'll we'll allow it. We'll allow it. But but it was. It wasn't that they were beefy. It was really more of the variety, and that and that you had aliens and and wizards and and guys with guns and tech, and and that it was the. It really, truly was the kitchen sink, yeah. Of of toys, um, and that's what attracted it to me. Like I didn't want what I wanted was just a, a giant ensemble cast of characters to play with, um, and I felt like in a in a way that you know that 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 Star Wars characters was like it was still kind of all about Luke. And the main cast, and and yeah, there were tons of other toys and tons of other figures, but you were talking about characters that that literally had like showed up in the background of a scene, right? And, and they were selling toys of background characters, and and I felt like the the masters characters all were really fleshed out. They all had personalities. You knew, you knew who they were. They were all so different. Um, well, and, and the and, other the other advantage though that Masters of the Universe had, which which by the way, un, until I, until like ten years ago, I just called it He Man. I didn't even refer to sure. it as Masters yeah. of the Universe, and, and and they referred to it as the He Man line. Yeah, yeah, but you know, whatever. But to me, you know, He Man had the advantage of a daily cartoon. Yeah, whereas Star Wars. You know, back then, way back in the day when we were kids, Star Wars. There were three movies and that was it. And and you had probably seen them a couple of times at most and didn't even realize, you know, we we didn't even know who Ponda Baba, well, Walrus Face, we didn't even know who that was really. He was just some crazy alien in an orange and blue leotard that was part of this toy line that we liked. Whereas we could go visit He-Man and Prince Adam after school, Monday through Friday, every day. Yeah. So we got this constant ongoing narrative. And, and I honestly, I think that more than anything else is what allowed G.I. Joe and He-Man and Transformers and everything else 
to kind of push Star Wars out of the market. Yeah. Because Star Wars didn't have that that constant reminder of what it was. Yeah. No, but, I, I would total, totally agree with that. Uh, I, I've got two two stories. I, I was only going to have one, but your your story of preschool violence reminded me of something. <laughs> uh, nothing to do with He-Man at all, but my first experience with violence, uh, I don't know what grade it was. I don't remember what the condition was, but a girl stabbed me with a number two pencil. Where? Uh, in the ear. Oh, wow. Went through my earlobe and broke off. Uh, I went to the school nurse and she had to pull the graphite out of my ear. And I still, to this day, have a little gray uh, Spot. mark. Because I've, I've wow. got the spacers in my ears. But right beside the left ear spacer, there's this little gray mark. And... It's where this girl stabbed me through the earlobe with a number wow. two pencil. So that's my first experience with violence. Uh, and they talk about He-Man not being able to punch people. Meanwhile, you know, kindergartners are getting stabbed get in the stabbing ear, each other. Or, or preschoolers Shift. getting stabbed in the head with <laughs> fucking wooden blocks. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. But then my, my He-Man specific story, uh, we I went to, and I don't know who the friend was, and it doesn't matter, uh, they at McDonald's. It used to be a big deal when I was around. Uh, let's see, He Man came out in eighty two or eighty three, right around there. I was I six. Say, yeah, I want to say eighty two. Sounds right. I think right, it was eighty two. Yeah. I was six or seven when He Man came out, uh, and when I was six or seven, it was a big deal to have your birthday party at McDonald's and to have. Yeah. The, the McDonald's Play Place birthday party. And they had like a special McDonald's cake and special McDonald's mm-hmm. balloons. And yeah, they don't do that anymore. No, they don't do that anymore. <laughs> and there were even McDonald's locations that had little rooms for these birthday parties. Yeah. And this was one of those. So we were, we were having the McDonald's birthday party and this kid got a bunch of He-Man figures. He got a Moss. I remember Moss Man specifically, and I don't think Moss Man was the first series. Um, no, he wasn't in the first wave. No. I think he was. He's not, he was in the original eight. Let's see here. Like two or three. I'm on dot org, and now I'm wondering if it was even really Moss Man because he's he's the fourth wave. This is 1985. I would have been nine, so it couldn't have been Moss Man. It had to be. It had. There was another figure I latched onto. Because this had to be earlier than that. But uh, this kid received a bunch of He-Man figures for his birthday. Mm. And I was fascinated because they were so big. And because they were yeah. these these weird creatures and monsters. Uh, and I all I remember specifically, aside from the setting, I remember the McDonald's setting. I remember thinking that He-Man himself was stupid. Uh, I had no interest in him whatsoever. But whatever monster figures this kid had, like when everybody else went out to the playground to to ride the little fry fry guys, yeah. ride ons, and <laughs> go down off the springy, yeah, yeah, and climb up the inside of Grimace or whatever. Which boy, that sounds really repulsive. That yeah, that that phrasing was that's that's bad phrasing. <laughs> but when everybody when everybody else went out on the playground to play, 
I stayed in the little room and played with all of his He-Man figures. And yeah. uh, it was – I'm almost positive it was that first wave. I feel like it was 1982 or 83. But oh, yeah, that, would have, that would have been Ram Man, Man at Arms, Tila, Beast Man, Man um, Merman, Merman, uh, and I feel like Merman was one of them uh, because yeah. I've always had an attachment to Merman. But I love aquatic stuff, so maybe. But I just know that I stayed hey, inside. Hey, sidebar, total sidebar. Have you seen The Shape of Water? Yes. Jesus. Fucking Christ. shit, dude. Beautiful. The movie is so amazing. I right. it oh it killed me. It killed me, and I'll tell you, I'm this is. It's totally inappropriate for me to say here in the middle of our He-Man Toys podcast. You know, hey, you know, this is, it's you and me. It's you and me it's and all of our me. friends. It's you and, and me. And all of our I'm, wonderful friends. I'm gonna, but, but it's you and me, too. I'm so. going to put this out there. There are lots of absolutely amazing, wonderful things about The Shape of Water. Uh, it reinforced my love of Michael Shannon as an actor. Uh, it reinforced my love of Guillermo del Toro. But to me... One of the most powerful things about The Shape of Water is it showed a woman masturbating on screen. Not just once. Not just once. It was part of her daily routine. Yeah. And I think, and look, I'm not saying this from a, oh, it's sexy point of view because that's not where I'm coming from at all. And and it wasn't wasn't presented. Right. It It wasn't part of her routine. Yes. It wasn't presented as a sexy thing. Um, it was like her boiled eggs. So like, right. get up in the morning, do 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 do. I think, fucking flick my bean, well, fucking boil some eggs. Yes. You know, like, and I yeah. think, particularly in America, normalizing sexuality is something that's very important. That's not being looked at as much as some other things right now. I would completely agree. Uh, so that that to me that cuz that was that happened within the first 15 minutes yeah. of the movie and I was just blown away I was like man this more than anything else that happens in this movie is important and I hope people I see this and accept it and are like oh this is this is cool this is this is fine this is there's no taboo here right this this is something that happens and should happen and isn't a big deal yeah, uh, because that, that to me, any kind of movement, any kind of acceptance of things begins with the thought of, oh, this isn't a big deal. Because when I was a kid, a boy, boy, I am going off on a tangent, Mister Bo Brown. Yeehaw, let's do it. When I was a kid, uh, kids in the hall, watching kids in the hall is. Oh yeah, your but your yeah your buddy yeah your buddy story yeah yes. Yeah. Watching Scott Thompson and watching um, the homosexual stuff on that show is and it was what, normal and yeah, it wasn't it was weird. Fine. It was no big deal. Yeah. It didn't matter. And that's that's what turned my brain into oh, this is fine. This is no big deal. These are normal, funny guys that you know. Some of them just happen to do that, and it's just part of how things are. And I think. I, I think the most incredible tool to getting people to accept things is not screaming about it. It's just saying, look at this. It's no big deal. So that to me, like, and then the, the whole rest of the movie is gorgeous. I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like it's some kind of screed for female masturbation, but that to me was the moment where I was like, wow, Guillermo del Toro 
is a guy who is going to take anything he believes in and say, look, take my hand, come on this ride, and we're all going to have a cool time. I'm going to show you some weird shit, but you're going to dig it. And you're going to realize, like, wow, weird shit can be really cool. Yeah. And maybe it isn't weird shit at all. Because by the weird. end of the by the end of the movie, you know, not only have we seen her do her thing, but we've also been like, you know what? Her falling in love with this with the other, mm-hmm. it's not a big deal. I understand deal. it. Yeah. So I mean there's there's a lot of powerful stuff going on in that movie, man. Well, and it and it's and it's an incredible example of what can happen when a visionary director finally makes enough money <laughs> right <laughs> to 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 produce their own movie and not have a studio to tell them what they can and can't do and what audiences won't will and won't like well and the and the and, good- and and for it to for and for it to be receiving the praise and the acclaim that right. it has right you know definitely golden globes and I, and I'm and I'm go ahead and saying this movie's going to fucking get an oscar I don't oh, know yes. what horror oh, yes. movie's getting an Oscar, you know, like that, that only, you know, like you want, you want to know, you want to see what Pacific Rim money looks like. It looks like motherfucking shape of water. That's yes. what that money looks like. Yes. Because, because only by making that insane amount of money on Pacific Rim and Pacific Rim two, which he's already been paid for, you know, like, like he's, you know, he's cashing those checks. Oh, fuck. Um, yeah. And, and, but that's, but, but what, I mean, it, it is, it is empowering and sad at the same time. Well, because the uh, only way, there's no way in a million years that, that if he had not produced this movie himself with his own money, right, that you could convince a studio to say, I'm going to make a movie about a lady falling in love with a fish man and she jerks off in the first fucking 15 minutes. Like, right, right, right. There is no way in hell. This movie would have ever been made if a visionary director like Del Toro hadn't made gigantic mainstream success and made the money that it takes to put a movie like this in mainstream theaters and as expensive as the special effects were to have this movie made without a giant studio funding it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is not this is not some experimental fucking movie that somebody like you know this movie is made because Guillermo del Toro made a buttload of fucking money and finally was in a position. Yeah, that this, he could this say, isn't and, and no one no one can tell me no. And this no isn't one can uh, tell me. this isn't like Pitch Black or The Babadook or anything like that. Like this is somebody who Hollywood is like, man, we can't even deny this guy. Hollywood didn't have a fucking say in it. Right. He produced this movie entirely himself. There was no studio that could say, because they would, because you can see the moments in the movie that the studio would have been, I don't know. Oh, well, no, what right? we were just talking like, about. You're, you're yeah. not going to have, you're not going to have a female masturbating in a movie at all. You want to do a musical you're, number with the fish man? Right. You want to do a, never what? Like, like, yeah, that never would have happened. Like, and, 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 and the movie is so good. The movie is so good. If Doug Jones, that, 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 that the musical number does not feel out of place at all. Doug do you Jones have any idea how hard that is? He has to receive some recognition for that movie. Uh, I don't to. know. 
I don't won't. know about that. He won't. He won't. They'll give Andy Serkis a fucking Oscar, but they won't give Doug Jones one. Which is insane to me. All right. Yeah. We got to get back to Masters. Yeah, Games, sorry. Which, by also, the way. Also, he man. By the way, Doug, Doug Jones is it merman. merman. It was like a merman. It was like a merman segue. It was. It was totally <laughs> merman. Uh, so anyway, that was, that was my, before that whole tangent happened, uh, the birthday party, I stayed inside playing with He-Man figures while all the other kids that I didn't give a shit about went outside right. to play to ride the Fry Guys. Yeah. Uh, from there, I always I watched the He-Man cartoon every single day. Yeah. Uh, G.I. Joe was my obsession, and my parents were... I'm not going to say I didn't have other toys here and there, because I totally did. I had some He-Man toys. I had some visionaries. I had you know weird shit here and there. But I, I didn't, unlike now, I didn't just collect every toy line I wanted to collect. So He-Man wasn't my focus, but I always loved it. But for you, I think it was a different story. Yeah, He-Man, He-Man was definitely my focus. I, I, um, I started with Star Wars. I remember having, uh, the little, the little pewter painted miniatures. That came in sets. I had the Hoth set of uh, uh, the little now, pewter are miniatures. Are you talking about the the microverse? I don't know what it was called back then. Like it was. I mean, Hoth all I knew was the little the little uh, still the the unposable figures that were probably about an inch tall. Yeah, they were tiny little like they yes. were little miniatures. They were tiny little like dude, metal oh, metal. Dude, you you um, so need to watch the toys that made us because the first episode is Star Wars and they talk about the microverse and it's the people that created it talking about it because I've always wondered like because I I wanted the microverse stuff but my parents wouldn't get it because they were like you've already got the big stuff why would you want these mm-hmm. little tiny things. But my, f- and it's so funny to, it's so funny to call the, the Star Wars figures the big stuff. Oh, well, I know, right? Right. Cause compared to He-Man, they're fucking puny as right. shit. Yeah. But the yeah. microverse stuff, um, Kenner at the time was trying to figure out how can we make more money off of Star Wars? Oh, right. let's launch this other line of small stuff. And yeah. as awesome as it was, because it was, it was better scaled play sets. Uh, it just didn't take off because we all already had the three and three quarter inch figures and vehicles and whatever else, and people just didn't go for it. But they had yeah. they had the Hoth set, they had the Bespin set, they had the Death Star. Uh, so that you I had, had some of those. Set. I, I did. I had the Hoth uh, set. I have very specific memories. We we had a we had a den that had a three three steps down, like a split level. Uh, so we had three steps down from the sort of like first living room that you walk into, like when you come in the front door, uh, to another den. Okay. Right? Okay. This is what we call. So there are three steps. And I remember sitting at the base of those three steps playing with the Hoth set. Um, and then I also have very, very vivid memories of playing in a sandbox in the backyard with the regular size figures. And it was Tatooine and, you know, uh, and 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 actually, the people who bought the house after we moved out say the one of the great stories of the neighborhood or whatever is that they kept finding uh, Star Wars figures in the sandbox that I had that I had lost or buried or some combination thereof um, uh, in 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 the sandbox. Um, so so those were my probably my earliest toy memories were was Star Wars. And then I transferred over to He-Man, and and 
He-Man for me, I guess I, there was more, I feel like there was more imagination in, in the sense that, yeah, I knew the show. Um, but the figures were more impactful on me and my imagination play than the show was. Whereas what I knew about even younger, what I knew about the world of star Wars and my play with star Wars was much more dictated I think by the, the, by the story of Star Wars. Whereas I, I feel like I had more freedom, um, with the toys of He-Man to, to, to play sort of however I wanted. And, and, and the cast of characters, I think, let themselves better to, uh, a more freeform play. Whereas I feel like the Star Wars toys were really locked into their narrative. You know, that's very interesting because I, and I hadn't thought about it until you said it just now, but I was the same way with Star Wars versus G.I. Joe. With G.I. Joe, I felt like I could tell my own stories. Uh, I felt much freer, but, but in my memories of playing with Star Wars, I feel like I was more locked into a specific. Yeah, you were playing out the movie. You were just playing out the movie, right? Even though I, you know, at that point I had only seen the movies probably one time each. I mean, let's let's look back, and you know, Return of the Jedi came out in 1983. I would guess in 1983 I had seen each of those movies once. Well, probably a couple of times for Star Wars and Empire because I'm sure they played them on TV a little Mm -hmm. bit. But I hadn't seen any of the movies more than three times. I think that's a fair bet. Sure, yeah. Uh, whereas when G.I. Joe came out, you know, we got the cartoon and it, it, it outlined, well, and for me, the comic book was even more important than the cartoon, but I felt more freedom of play with those. And I guess because with He-Man and with G.I. Joe, we had these episodic adventures that allowed for more missions or adventures or whatever you want to call them in between. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe that's what it was. Well, I think part, part of it was that you had, you had toy characters that, that weren't in the show. Right. Like with, with star Wars, everything came from the movie with he, man, the toys came first and they sort of tried to write a show around the toys. Right. Like Mer- Stinkor and, and Mossman weren't in every episode. So you kind of had to figure out where they fit in. Stinkor wasn't even in an episode. Oh, I don't even know. I was just throwing it in. Yeah. No, I mean, like there are characters that never were in the show. And, and, and so they, they come from different directions. You know, He-Man was a toy line that then had a television show to to act as a commercial for some of the toys. But then, of course, Filmation, in, in all of its wisdom, were like, no, we're going to tell stories and not make a commercial. Whereas Star Wars was a movie that then meticulously made toys on every single fucking thing that you saw in the movie. You know, that's why you have, like, background action figures of the guy who walked through a scene and right, that's, right. you know, whereas that didn't happen with He-Man. He-Man was, was toy focused 
and and in the show created a universe and a world around those toys, around the characters that were the original toys. But that's why you know like uh, um, there are pretty big discrepancies between between the show and the and the vintage line. Uh, right, right. Where where you have characters that that just weren't there at all, you know, or they're in like an episode, or or and and you have vehicles specifically vehicles that are in the show that are not toys. Whereas if there was a vehicle in star Wars, it had a fucking toy, you know, um, you know, the toys came first with he man. And, and I think that's probably what led to, I think more of a freedom from the narrative because it was, it was toys based in, are these toys fun to play with rather than how do we make toys about the things that are in this movie which is what Star Wars was. Yeah. Yeah, that and you're right. It was cuz Star Wars was a movie inspiring toys, Masters was toys inspiring a cartoon. Yeah. So there is a different it, but but it is it's really wild and 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 you know, once again until we were talking about it tonight I didn't really think about it, but but my play patterns were entirely different with with yep. Uh, you know, not as much with Masters because I probably didn't have more than ten Masters of the Universe figures when I was a kid. But uh, you know, GI Joe is a fair equivalent because it was the same scenario, and and my Star Wars and GI Joe play patterns were very different. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Well, let's uh, let's take a look. What were? Do you remember what your first Team Man figures were? Like how you you. How did you start building that collection? Um, I got them as gifts. I mean, I remember getting them for for birthday and Christmas presents. Um, I couldn't say what my first one was. I know that I had I had the castle. Uh, I did not have Snake Mountain, but I have very specific memories about going to the mall and throwing a penny in the fountain at the mall, and my wish was to get snake mountain oh. for years. That was my wish. Like, uh, what, what do you, if you, you know, here kid, you have one wish. What is it? And I, I wanted snake mountain. Oh, that that's was, awesome. that was what I wanted. Oh. Um, and, and, and here I am still waiting for that classic <laughs> snake mountain. Oh my gosh. That's right. Um, Cause yeah. they, they showed us a snake, a classic snake mountain. Uh, we sure have seen it. Do you think that's ever going to happen? Um, I think that they want to make it happen, uh, but it's it's really tough. I mean, it's 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 tough to bring it into a price point. Yeah, because I mean, it's bigger than the castle, and the castle was the castle's bonkers. insane. It uh, is bonkers. Ah, uh, yeah, the castle's bonkers, and 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 Snake Mountain is like twice as crazy and bonkers as, as, as the castle is. And, um, because it's not just like, Oh, we're going to make a vintage castle, like the vintage toy, right? Because there's not as much of a discrepancy between the castle and the cartoon and the castle toy. Right. Whereas there's this gigantic discrepancy between the Snake Mountain vintage toy and Snake Mountain as, as it's portrayed in the, in the show. And I think the Four um, Horsemen did a brilliant job with the prototype that they showed. Uh, no, they did, but it, but it, but but because you have to marry those two ideas, it's literally like two playsets, right? Worth of shit. And we're probably <laughs> talking five hundred dollars. 
Uh, I have no idea where it's going to land. Um, but there's also huge issues with like the inside of the, of, of Snake Mountain. Um, having enough stuff that it's not just the shell and, right. and all this. I mean, it's, it's really hard. It, well, you've got to really have the bone thrown. You've got to have the, uh, whatever, yeah. whatever Skeletor's scrying pool is. I can't remember yeah. what it was called. Uh, I don't know. Name, but. Yeah, it's it's tough. No, it's tough. It's tough. And uh, yeah, so so uh I guess those are old memories. I definitely have huge memories of like if I had one wish, I just want Snake Mountain, you know. Oh. Uh and which which is weird because the, the the toy itself, you know, was just a big gym repaint. Like they had this this other jungle playset and they just painted it purple. Um, oh, I didn't even realize that. Oh, you didn't know that story? I know. Yes. I know. Yeah. I know the Battle Cat story. That's why it doesn't look anything. That's that's why it doesn't look anything like Snake Mountain. Oh, that's wild. It was a big gym playset. Okay, that, that they repurposed that really repurposed and you know basically painted a purple. Right, right. Um, it was like a jungle thing. Um, that's funny. Yeah. So, uh, but in the same thing, it's the same thing with the Fright Zone. I mean, the Fright Zone doesn't right. look anything like it looks in you know. No. Well, it's it's the, almost the, the opposite of what it looks like because in the show it's this weird technological yeah uh, thing, and the and the toy is like a tree. Yeah, it, well, the toy the toy matches more with the the original idea of the toys, which is we're going to basically make the Universal monsters as He Man bad guys, um, and so it's got a it so it's it's it 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 is more horror y. Yeah, yeah. Then then. It, it is. It does not fit into the Shira universe that the show did, right? Because um, originally, the you know the Horde was a He-Man bad guy line that was that Shira was not even a part of. Yes, it's a huge disconnect between the between the Horde as toys uh, and Shira as uh, as a show and as toys. Well, it's funny because uh, in my you know in my head. The horde toys are part of the Masters Universe line, yeah. but right. the well, that, that, that's not in your head. That's how it was. Oh, well, right, right. But then in the cartoon, they were the villains on the Shira cartoon. So I have, I have no. Even though I know I had Leech, uh, and probably he was the only horde figure that I had. Uh, but I don't really have clear ideas on anybody in the horde because I I didn't watch Shira when I was a kid. Because of the stupid, it's for girls, which is dumb. It's totally dumb. Yeah. But as a you know eight, nine, ten, or whatever year old kid in the eighties, that's how shit was. Yeah. It is. No, it, it, it was, was stupid, but that's how it was. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I didn't have clear definitions on those guys. Yeah. Uh, I, I. So there's you have the toy. So you have the the, the playset, which is you know. Very much in that horror theme, it's got a spooky tree, it's got a spooky cave, it's got a spooky cage. Um, it, it's built around them as toys, right. completely independent of of the show. Now, at least it was an original sculpt, unlike Snake Mountain, which was you know repurposed big gem thing, <laughs> but but also completely unrelated from it's from those characters' appearance on the show. Right. Um, I did have a connection to Shira because. Uh, I had a one of those like your first girlfriend experiences. Well, let me t- let me um, say this real quick, so I don't sound like a total barbarian. Uh, I did not watch Shira. 
But this is coming from a guy who, when Strawberry Shortcake came out, wanted a Strawberry Shortcake doll so bad because they smelled so good. They did smell good. That's so. That's where. Let's put. I, I just wanted to put that in some perspective. Sure. Put it in perspective. Yeah. So I had like a like a kindergarten girlfriend. Really? Emily. Yeah. I had I had one of those like oh it's your girlfriend oh, you know. So that's I great. would go over to. Yeah, so I would go over to her house and we had playdates and stuff, and she had the Shira toys, and I was like, "There they are!" Like it was this amazing because my parents weren't buying me Shira dolls, you know, like that wasn't even a thing. Like they didn't even think about it, and my my sister was too young, really for for them, so she didn't really have them. And here was this girl that was my age that had all the Shira figures, oh, and I was like, man. "There they are." This is it. Like it, it, it made total sense, and I was like, I wanted to bring my He-Man figures over, and 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 you know, and and it made sense to me, and it didn't it didn't matter that they had rooted hair and they right, were more doll-like. Right. I was like, no, this is it. I'll bring mine. You have yours. Boom. Like, yeah. Uh, so I had that connection, and and so that like that I didn't feel weird watching the show. Like it wasn't like a girl show. It it was. It was still He-Man to me and Secret of the Sword, Bridge the Gap, you know, and and it was it was fine. And I, and I had uh, even though I I didn't have She-Ra figures, they were still accessible to me. And I I remember thinking they were cool uh, and different, and but still, but I but I knew they were still He-Man, and that's not and it didn't bother me in any way that that they were different. Right. Right. Um, but the, but I also didn't have like a well I don't I have these it wasn't like like I got that they were girl toys you know uh, I yeah. understood like I understood that they were girl toys and that was fine and that's why I didn't have them you were just like um, it's cool that I have the opportunity to play with them yeah exactly and I was like cool you have and to me it was you have the characters that I want it was less it it, it didn't bother me that the toys looked different. That they didn't, you know, visually that they weren't the same as my He-Man figures. To me, it was always about the characters. Now, let me let me ask and, you because I I've it's been a while since I've seen a vintage uh, She-Ra figure. How different, aside from the rooted hair, how different were She-Ra and her friends from like Tila? Uh, not terribly different. I mean, they were basically the same scale as you know your Evelyn and your. And, that, that's and, what I was thinking and, and is that. Tila. The, the, the hair but, was, but they, but they did fan. have, but they did have the rooted hair and they did have fabric clothes. Oh, right. They had the so, and so they stuff. were different. So they did feel more like dolls, but, but as far as, clothes but as far as hair, general, but, general aesthetics and scaling, they did fit. Well, it, to, to my childhood mind, I had, I didn't give a shit at all. Like sure, it was like, sure. cool, I'll bring my Mantena. I'll bring my Hordak. I'll bring my leech and, and, and we'll do this because she didn't have. The Shira bad guys. Oh, she right. Had, she had Catra. Sure, yeah. she had Catra, and that was it. Was I mean, Catra that was like it? Pretty much. They didn't have a Scorpia. I mean, no, they had no. That's not true. They had Entraptra. You know, they had they had a couple of them. But okay. I think it was this was very early on, and I think that at the stage that I knew her, Catra was it. They, okay. they hadn't gotten to Entrapta or or um, or. or what a, um, what a weird situation to have 
where you have, cause Shira was very successful, mm-hmm. but what a weird situation where the villains from the She-Ra cartoon are in a completely other toy line. Right. Basically. That most yeah. girls probably didn't even have. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. I, I wonder if that's ever happened like in pop culture and I don't think it has. No, that's, that, that is a good question. I don't know. I don't think so. That's wild, man. Um, but yeah, there was no presence of, of the horde. It was like, you know, catcher was, was the jealous beauty. I mean, you know, she, yeah, there wasn't, yeah. there was no mention of the horde really. Like, uh, you know, Hordak wasn't, I mean, and I, and you know, maybe if I go back and look at the original catcher card back, maybe it, maybe it talks about that, but like, you know, if it wasn't pink and cause catcher was still pink, you know, um, yeah, but there wasn't, there wasn't, you know, you didn't have any of the monstrous. Right. Horde members. Right, I mean, even, right. even Scorpia, there wasn't a Scorpia. There wasn't a Scorpia. There was, there wasn't, there was no they have, Scorpia. They there was no Octavia. Ne- they, they didn't have, they didn't have those figures. Yeah. Um, you yeah. got entrapped. You, you definitely, you had entrapped, uh, you had, uh, let's see. I'm trying to look you at You didn't my, have Octavia. No, you didn't have Octavia. Um, you, didn't, you didn't have any of the monstery. Natasha's villains, a good Katra. guy, right? Natasha's a good guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, there weren't, there really just weren't a lot of female villains. And because, but uh, in, you know, in the, in the heads of Mattel, they're probably thinking, well, that, you know, these are, these are adventure dolls, but they're still basically just wanting to comb their hair and stuff. Right. Uh, let's, let's move ahead. Cause we got to, okay. I, I definitely want to within the next, uh, well, we went on a very weird, we went on a, Decently long shape of water tangent. I think so. people, I think people are going to like that though. Eh, eh, I mean, merman, I th- you know, think, whatever. Yeah, merman. Like, listen completely off base. Totally works. Uh, so as kids. Strong, strong female lead. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's jump ahead to 2002. Alright. And the revival, the attempted revival. I say well, attempted let me hit, revival. Let me, hit one, let me hit one thing first before we get there. Okay. Because just as in as far as the history of toys goes, because yeah. I went directly from He-Man to Ninja Turtles as 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 a as a you know what what toys I had, and He-Man completely informed why I liked Ninja Turtles. And it was the exact same reason, which was the giant, crazy, diverse ensemble cast. Yes. Um, that, that, that the Turtles action figure line had that same kitchen sink mentality of, I want just a million different, super different characters, which is why I never got into Transformers. I never got into G.I. Joe. And this is a conversation we had had lots of times. But I just wanted to put that out there that, yeah. that that is that is that was what attracted me to toys was the diversity of the characters. Well, and, and what's what's funny about that is even though we we diverge because He Man was your jam and GI Joe was mine, I actually had the same experience in that GI Joe got too far away from what I loved about GI Joe. And then Ninja Turtles came along and was offering 
all of these crazy designs, these beautiful sculpts, and even though their elbows didn't bend, their knees didn't bend, Mm -hmm. but they just looked so cool, and I was really getting to a point where uh, I was much more into things being aesthetically interesting than them necessarily having. Because I I never – look, I watched it every day. But I was never in love with the Ninja Turtles cartoon. Every every episode I watched, I wanted it to be better than it was. Mm. I, like I was never happy with it. But I watched. I loved it. it. I was all totally on board. I I watched it because the toys were so amazing mm. to me. Interesting. So yeah. in in a I transitioned to Ninja Turtles from GI Joe in a completely different way from how you transitioned from Masters to Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Uh but it, but it is funny that are, that we had that same path at that point, and the Ninja Turtles for me were offering something completely different. And for ah, you, yeah, and they were offering they were the only thing offering me yes what I what I, what made He Man work for me yes yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so that, that all right, so that that all said and done yes that all said and so done. then so then jump ahead to two thousand two two thousand two when Mattel is like all right. We we did new adventures of He Man, which I've got. I guess I've got to take a little sidebar there and explain. Yeah, I guess we have to do that. Yeah, that I did because another reason I was never huge into the original Masters toy line is because they just didn't that that sameness. I didn't love. Um, they only had the five points of articulation, and that to me always felt slightly limited because. G.I. Joe won my heart from Star Wars because of the articulation. And it's funny, again, going back to the toys that made us, um, they have interviews with the Hasbro personnel who very specifically say, we want to do something in the same scale as Star Wars, but we want to make it better. We want to give them better articulation. Uh, and they cite the sources of, of their design as Migos chips figures. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's that's how they got me was their elbows bend and then later on their biceps swivel their knees bend like oh my gosh look how much more they can do and he man to me felt limited uh yeah. but then once we get to ninja turtles the the insanity to me was it 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 overbalanced the lack of articulation so it worked well, and in, in, in Ninja Turtles, other than it suffering from the same stigma that He-Man did of we're just going to keep putting out different versions of He-Man and Skeletor. Yeah, yeah. Ninja Turtles was very – what Ninja, Ninja Turtles made the same mistake that He-Man did, which was we're going to keep putting out the same basic yes. four turtles in different costumes – um, over and over, over and, and over, over and over again, but they didn't suffer from it in the sense that they weren't reusing parts. Right, right. On on their other characters, like, so you'd get even a full... even through like you still were getting a kangaroo guy and a you know even late in the line you were still getting characters with completely unique oh, yeah. sculpts. You're getting a bull, a dragon, a mole. Yeah. A worm man, a tr- muck exactly. man, mutagen exactly. man. Like you're still yeah, getting you were still insanity. getting the basic four turtles. Yeah, yes. you were still getting basic four turtles every now and then because that's just how it was. And we still suffer from that today with 
well, kids just want to go to Walmart and get a Batman, and they right. still want to go to Walmart and get a Spider-Man. They don't give a shit what it is. They just want a Batman. They just want a Spider-Man. Um, that, that shit has never gone away. But they weren't doing that on their other cast of characters with the reuse of parts that, that He-Man did. That was what made He-Man stale. Which, which um, creates a wonderful segue to, oh, well, no, cause I have to talk about Adventures of He-Man because I did dip into that line, uh, New Adventures of He-Man very briefly because I saw He-Man and I saw Skeletor in the store. And I was like, oh, look at that. Their elbows bend, their knees bend. Look at this better articulation. I want to check these out because I love the idea of Masters of the Universe. Uh, so I had New Adventures He-Man and New Adventures Skeletor, but that's all I ever had because I got them and the rest of the figures didn't appeal to me that much. And then I saw the cartoon and the cartoon was horrible. Ugh. So that was just that was a brief pit stop for me on the way to 2002 where I would have to say that those cartoons and that toy line is where I truly fell in love with Masters of the Universe. Wow, really? Yes. Wow, uh, see it it killed it for me. What? It was the nail Oh, New Adventures? No, no, 2002. Oh, no, no, no. No, okay. New Adventures right, right. was, was, uh, I, I got those figures Ugh. and I was like, I like these figures just fine, but everything else about it is horrible. Yeah, my parents got them for me and I remember getting them for Christmas and just being like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, like, right, right. I, I, yeah, I was, no, no, I was, I was, and then I watched, I watched the cartoon and it was like, this is terrible. There's, it, it's not painful. even, it's not even watchable. Like, I would. I tried. Even, yeah, Michael and I tried, and we couldn't yeah. even make it through the first episode. No, there's nothing. So there's bad. nothing. No, 2002 yeah. is where I truly yeah, fell in love yeah. with Masters as a franchise, uh, because I got way into that toy line. Uh, the cartoon, I watched it as much as I could, but I feel like it got moved around a lot. I I didn't see. Get the DVDs, man. The DVDs. I've are got them. I've got them. Oh yeah, they're. That's so where. Cool. And I, I, it's probably at least 10 years ago. No, more than that, because I got them before my son was born. Right. Uh, but until I got those DVDs, I had never seen more than 10 episodes of the cartoon because when it came on, uh, you know, I was, no, they, it was not, it was not easy to watch. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. they moved it around a lot. And also I was young at the time and, I was out. I was doing stuff. Like it, it was, let's see, 2002. So I would have been, uh, 24, mm-hmm. maybe 20. Let's see, 96. I was, I was 22. Yeah. yeah. I would have been 24, 25 years old. So I mean, I was working the mass grade. I was, I was out and about doing things. Yeah. Like, you weren't, you weren't into yeah. watching cartoons. I, well, yeah. No, I was, I was totally into watching cartoons, but I, I couldn't keep up with it. Uh, like I couldn't set my VCR to record it at a specific time. It was just, I, I couldn't do it, but the toy line I was fucking crazy into. I would hit Walmart every day looking for the new figures because I loved them. And to this day, as much as I love classics, that 2002 toy line in my head is the master's toy line, even though it still has that five points of articulation, the aesthetics, well, I guess they've got wrists, their wrists move, so technically they've got yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They may five, have had six, ankle, seven. I don't know. Um, no, they don't. Um, okay. 
They've got seven points of articulation, but like I was so into that toy line, but Mattel made it so fucking hard to collect because they did eight He-Mans per wave. With oh, they like, killed, they shot themselves in the foot. Oh, I mean, they totally did. With like two, you know, two original characters, eight He-Mans, five Skeletors. Yep. So that when was, you go to Walmart, a there's a whole wall of like Ice Armor He-Man and Fang Butt Skeletor. And then if you, you know, if you manage to hit them at five in the morning when they just put out the new cases, right. you might get Beast Man or Merman or Triclops. Uh, so I, I love that line, but man, Mattel just shit the bed with it. How, what was your? That was a, hey, that was a good that was a good that was a good vocal break. I have got to go pee real quick. Yeah, man, I'm going to refresh my drink yet again. I was waiting so for a space. Are going to get even more incoherent, but I will okay, pause it on. right now. Right. Uh, I I absolutely love that line, and I love what the horsemen were doing with it. And this is a time. This is an interesting side note. This is when we knew who were making the toys because Toy Fair magazine had started coming out. Yeah. And we were meeting the sculptors and the creators and we were seeing advanced pictures. This is when we first started knowing what was on the way to stores because prior to the prior probably 2000, I think Toy Fair magazine started coming out in 98 or 99, probably 99. You know, prior to that you went to Toys R Us or Walmart or Target or whatever and just found new toys. But then Toy Fair Magazine changed the game because they would start showing us these prototypes, you know, six months to a year before they were actually going to hit stores. And it honestly changed the entire experience of being a collector. Because rather than just showing up to the store and being like, oh, cool, there's new stuff, I'm going to buy it. We had, like, in our heads, we would have these ideas of what was coming. I had actually been completely out of toys since my childhood. Oh, until, really? When did until you... He-Man what was, in cause, 2002. Because for me, uh, I, I briefly stopped probably while I was in high school, but then when Kenner relaunched Star Wars in 95 is when I got back in and and since 95 I I've been in. Uh, so- I probably I mean I picked up a couple of things every now and then like if there was a character that I really liked from comics maybe I would get a figure. I mean you know I had a handful like I had a you know I had a really good scarecrow figure. I had a really good Mr. Freeze figure. I had the right. Max. I had there were a handful of if I was really invested in the character, then then I would pick up a, a you know a toy or somebody would give me a toy that that was but it was it was really about like what was my you know what I've, fandom I've, I've got to say this I've got to say this because I'm actually not sure what came first it was either the relaunch of Star Wars in '95 or when Playmates released a box set of the classic Star Trek crew and the box inside the box was the bridge of the enterprise. And it was their It was uh playmates released it. Uh, and it was the original crew. And my mom, even though I really wasn't buying toys and my parents certainly weren't encouraging me buying toys, but my mom got me that set mm. 
uh, I don't know if it was my birthday or Christmas or whatever. I can't remember exactly, but I still have that exact set that she got me. And I don't know if that came first or if the Star Wars relaunch came first, but whichever one of those things it was, that's what got me back in after two or three years of not collecting. I, I, I did get into the Star Wars relaunch a little. Like I was like, oh, cool. Like I collected Star Wars, you know, or not collected. Collected <laughs> right. is totally not the right word. Right, right, right. I had I had Star Wars figures when I was a kid. Plus, now Luke I looks love, like I would love a three a three PO or you know or R two. Like you know, I mean, I I, I understand. I got that part, and 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 I and I had a couple of those. But there was something about, like you had said, there was something about those 2002, 2000X He-Man figures and He-Man, that was what, those toys were what, and, and the show, were what ignited my fandom. I was not a vintage collector. I was not tracking down vintage He-Man figures before 2002. Uh, it was it was my favorite. When I look back, I was like, it was my favorite toy line, probably, and I can, you know, as reasons that I have stated why I liked it. But it completely, not only completely reignited my 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 fandom of He Man, but got me back into toy collecting. I mean, and and not and that's not even back. Got me into right right toy collecting. Right, like that was like you had toys I, when you were a kid, and that was a thing. But the 2002 line is what made you an adult collector. Adult collector, right? And 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 that was what I mean. Almost 20 years ago, yeah. That and here I am. It is still the only thing I collect. And it was it was that it was the show, and it was. The, the figures being as, as, and it was, it's, 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 it is part of this phenomenon of the next generation, um, of artists where right. generational change has happened. And now you don't just have people who are artists who are creating new things that they think kids will buy or that they will be popular. You have an entire generation of artists who grew up being fans of something. And that is, and you know, when you talk about what made the 2000 X figures so good, it, it was that they were made by the four horsemen who are fucking fans, right? There's a different, you know? a different kind of soul. And look, the there's original, something, there's something that happened in the early nineties where the generation of kids that grew up on these big properties, uh, of Star Wars and Ninja Turtles and, and He-Man and, and all that shit became professionals and inherited these legacies. Right. And they, they did it in such a way that it's not just weird artists who are creating art that, you know, commercial, commercial art for purchase the, you're, you've you've got people who are reinventing and and understanding what worked about the toy lines that they grew up with and were fans of 
and and shepherding those to a new generation. Well, there's a and whole it's, new it's level, different, yeah, it's, of it, love it's, and of soul on these figures. Because when when I look at like when I look at the 2002 Beastman, I see a figure that was created by somebody who looked at the original Beastman and was like, "This is what I saw Beastman as when I was a kid." Right. And the Beastman all- should, and specifically with the 2000, and and even more so with the Stactions. The Stactions is where they really pushed that envelope, yes. which was, yes. let's not be constrained by the scale of the box of the figure. Let's, let, let's, when I, you, the Four Horsemen, when they see Beastman, they didn't see a reuse figure. Right. They they didn't see a figure who was to a character that was a scale with the rest of the figures. They said Beastman is huge. He's he's a giant. He's a beast. Right. And Stinkor is smaller. The, you know they saw the the soul of the character on the limitations of a, a line of toys that was entirely based on reuse of parts. Yes. They saw the 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 true essence of those characters, and and wanted to realize them in a way that that transcended the boundaries of uh, what made He Man He Man, which was this reuse line, you know, um, and and that's one of the things that what makes the Staction so beautiful. As yeah, they're not toys, but like. Web store it, it is this like pure distillation of who Web store is. Yes, as as a sculpture. Well, and the same know. thing goes for um, snout. Well, I can't even remember them, if it's snout spout or spout snout. Snout spout. It, it's snout spout. It, it, it's 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 mosquito, jitsu, uh, mosquito. It's all of them. Yes, you know they were they were realizing they were taking that chance and that opportunity. To, to realize these characters and, and that's what something they wanted to do in the 2000 X line, but were crippled by Mattel saying you need to make a fucking bajillion ass He-Mans, right. you know, um, and you're, and we're just going to do a snake man wave and we're just going to do a bunch of repaints and throw a couple of snake men into it. You know, like we're going to do snake capture man at arms and he's going to have a different paint job, you know, and a couple of different accessories. You know, the Four Horsemen are the, you know, it, it, it's Scott Nylick and the Four Horsemen. I mean, yes, that is all that it is. Which is our segue to the Classics line, uh, which I resisted because, to me, the first figure they offered, I think it was King Grayskull, is that correct? Uh. Yeah, he was a San Diego exclusive. Didn't the line didn't start off to me as interesting as the 2002 line? It just didn't. No, but I, you know, I kept an eye on it because again, Toy Fair magazine kept us abreast of these developments. We knew that this line was coming. We knew that the Four Horsemen were behind it. We knew that it was a passion project. Uh, that, you know, Mattel was sort of, okay, if you guys want to do this, we'll give it a shot. And, you know, I watched it and I thought, well, I'm not, I'm not gonna, 
sign up for some internet bullshit because what is this internet thing anyway? It's probably this, the internet's probably not even going to exist in five years. <laughs> this thing's stupid. Uh, but then they all, they put up Scarelow. And I, I've, I've told this story at Toy Story's panel. I've, I've written it down, but, uh, for here, for our master's episode, that scare glow got a preview wherever it got a preview. And I looked at it and I said, is a glow in the dark fucking purple skeleton, you know, purple and green skeleton action figure. I want check, that figure. Check, check, check. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I've got to have that figure. And I ordered it because this was, uh, this was back when it was still reasonable to go to maddiecollector.com and just order something on the day that it went up. Now, you still had to get there within the first couple hours of when it went on sale, but you could still reasonably go there on the day of sale and get something. So I ordered that scare glow. Uh, he arrived, and even though Masters of the Universe Classics is very much based on shared parts in the same way that the original line was, maybe not to the same extent, but they definitely thrive. I mean, maybe even, uh, honestly, I would say even maybe even more so. Oh, but, you think so? But, yeah, I mean... Well, any, but that's anyway. part of it, and I, and, I, and I appreciate that that's part of it. You know, well... Um, it's why we. It's why we've never gotten a. It is part of why we have never gotten the ultimate, you know, versions of certain characters is because they they were restricted to the tooling. Right, they would have been one hundred percent new tooling, but for the season, I, you know, I got scared low, and I loved it. I I felt like the execution of the figure within the restraints of the shared parts system was mm-hmm. so good with the. The glow in the dark was incredible. He's still one of the best glow in the dark figures that I own, and I own a lot. Well, that's that's his thing. Like, uh, if if you if you phone in the glow in the dark part, you fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, and then the cape yeah. that's partially translucent, oh, and the little yeah. gray skull thing with yeah. the key inside, like yeah. all of the. He to me was a demonstration of love of toys. And yeah. I was like, fuck, he's really, really good. And then they did one of their deals. Cause remember back in the day they would have the new figure, but then they would also offer up each month. They would offer up different stock of older figures. Yeah. And at some point they offered up uh Skeletor again, just the basic classics Skeletor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, shit, I really, really like that scare glow. Let me go ahead and order that Skeletor, and then I'll just have... It'll just be Skeleton Guys. That's all I'm going to do is get my villain Skeleton Guys, and you that's know, it. Get, you know, getting... And you, you know this. Getting getting the Skeleton Guys is a gateway drug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it so is. So I ordered Skeletor, and he came in the mail, and then... I think a couple months after that, they were like, hey, we're re-offering Trapjaw. And I was like, well, Trapjaw is my fucking guy. So I got to order Trapjaw. And I ordered Trapjaw. And Trapjaw is still one of my favorite action figures that I own. Not even just in the classics Uh, line, but just in in everything in this fucking room. 
Yeah. That classic strap jaw is one of my favorite figures of all he's time. Perfect. He's, he, is, he is. He is. He is perfect. Uh, and then whatever, whenever they offered the subscription the next year after that, and mm-hmm. I don't remember who they showed. I don't remember what I signed up for, but I was like, fuck it. I'm in. And from there on out, you know, fortunately in those early days, they still did those deals where I was able to buy a He-Man. I was able to buy mm-hmm. like a Battle Cat or whatever figures I had missed the first time around. They were still doing the, hey, it's February and we've got the new figure is Stinkor, but mm-hmm. the the extra figure you can order is, you know, Moss Man that we did a year ago, but we're offering yeah. again. So I was able to... I, I currently only have, uh, there's still only like two or three figures that I kind of wish I had. They don't. Web store is one of them. I wish I had a web store. I wish mm. I had a one dar. Um, Ooh, yeah. Good luck with that. But dude, you can I probably know. get a web store. Yeah. Um, but the, there are probably two or three figures that, that I don't have that I want. Other than that, you know, I'm sitting here looking at, uh, it, what at no, least your, your collection is very satisfying. Yeah. At least a hundred yeah. figures. Yeah. That oh, yeah. I just fell in love with and even, you know, I've sold some off, but there's some oddball figures that if Mattel had called me up and been like, hey, Phantom or hey, Dave or whatever, do you think we should make this guy? I would have been like, fuck no. What are you, stupid? Right. But they're but they on did. my shelf. But they did. But they made and- them and they're on my shelf and I'm like, fuck, I like that guy. I like the, the, and I can't remember his name right now, but the guy with the, uh, the naked guy with the mohawk and the red gear and his Geldor. Geldor. Yeah. Geldor's not Geldor and Bo, man. They're down to fucking party. His, his big axe that looks like it's actually Let, one of the things they take pizzas out of the brick oven with. It is one of the things with. they serve pizzas on. He serves pizzas <laughs> with it. That's what he does. Like stuff like that, man. That this line has brought me. Well, that that's that so is so much the true. The true beauty and and the the. What makes classics, I, and, and, and you as, as a wider toy collector, you know, uh, you have a better answer to this than I do, but is there another toy line that has completely embraced an entire legacy of, of a property in the way that Masters of the Universe Classics has done by, by embracing the vintage figures, the mini comics, the 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 new adventures of He Man, Shira, like they're all these in, incredibly different, con- re- releasing concept characters that never that that came out of the archives of Mattel that never saw the light of day, and then were were given figures, the movie figures, you know, like is there another toy line there- that has? There brought is, all of these other iterations of this property together peaceably into one same, you know, scale. There is no toy line that has cared as much about the history of where it came from. However, I do want to mention some lines that I feel have taken inspiration from the classics line. Mm. Which is which is very important to the conversation because if you you know one day we're gonna you and I are gonna do a show where we look back at the the toy lines that have existed during our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. 
and we're going to look at Masters of the Universe Classics and how important it was to what happened in the toy industry. Mm. And I believe without the Classics line, we would not have seen all of the superpowers figures that we saw in the mm. DC Universe Classics line. Which, granted, Scott Knightlick was over that as well. But we got to see El Dorado and Apache Chief and right. Black Lightning yeah. and a lot of really interesting DC characters that would never have seen the light of day without Scott Knightlick's direction. But then you go over to an entirely different company and you go with the NACA uh, Real Toys Alien and Predator lines and you see that... It's the modern Alien and Predator lines with all the articulation and sculpt, and these are gorgeous figures, but they're also doing reproductions of the 90s Alien versus Predator figures, which is a very classics thing to do because they're incorporating wacky bullshit like Lava Planet Predator, but they're doing him in this modern way. And I honestly feel that if it wasn't for the Masters of the Universe Classics line, that NECA would never have said, oh, we can take these old, weird designs and do them in a modern way and incorporate it into the current line. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would go so far as to say there's a new wave of Marvel Legends from Hasbro that are using the I don't do you remember the Toy Biz Marvel figures from the early 90s that it was like really basic shit like Spider-Man and Wolverine and Punisher yeah, I think so yeah they were like super basic figures they had maybe 9 or 10 points of articulation they were about 5 inches tall uh and Toy Biz was just like yeah, you wanted a Spider-Man. Yes. There, there was a Spider-Man. You He's wanted got a suction Punisher. cups on your, his hands. Yeah. Look at him. Right, right, right. Well, Hasbro now has done a whole wave of retro figures based on those Toy Biz figures. They have the same packaging. They're on blister cards rather than boxes like the rest of the Marvel Legends are. And they're totally based in the nostalgia that classics banked but, on. But, but, but once again... That's that just like what you said, NECA, that's saying we're gonna make toys about we're gonna make toys based on toys. Yes. What what classics did was we're gonna take new adventures, we're gonna take the mini comics, we're gonna take every single iteration, and maybe it's just that He Man had more iterations, that it had comics and it had a movie and it had all these these other disparate things that that weren't the vintage line, character wise, right? And to bring them all to, together cohesively into one, and then on top of that, to to go the distance and give them all bios. Well, I that and, tied that somehow tried to tie thirty fucking years, you know of. Uh, of uh, four different continuities together into one cohesive, yes. not just visual cohesiveness of okay, all these figures are at the same scale, but but story. No, I mean, nothing. Is, nothing is, has anything ever come like no? Because the other big lines, you know, that 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 could theoretically do that that had comics. I mean, you got Transformers, you got GI Joe, you've got these things that had TV shows that had toys. 
that had comics. You know, I mean, I think the mini comics are pretty unique to He-Man, but I, yeah, I, I don't think there's any any property that had no nothing. Brett, nothing has done it as successfully as the classics line. Um, but is that because they didn't have the source material? Well, no, I think NECA has come the closest because if you look at their Alien and Predator lines, they've got comics, they've got toy lines, and they've got movies, and they have adapted characters from all of those things into the same style within a single line. But I don't know that they would have done it if they hadn't witnessed the success of the classics line. Mm. Uh, and I and think I that's would, what Super that's what Super Seven's doing. Yes, absolutely. because what Super Seven do Super Seven is doing is the thing that that the, the thing that Alien and Predator don't have is that when those movies originally came out, they didn't have toys. Right. Right. The toys only came later for some reason, or or, or I mean, basically because they were fucking horror movies. They well, and then and, and then and, you know the, you had the aborted. Uh, alien line in the 70s and then you had the Kenner's Alien versus Predator line in the 90s but yes when those when those franchises were at their peak they did not have toy lines like Mass did but I will say this you also have Kenner slash Hasbro's Star Wars line that has incorporated uh, comics toys, movies TV shows cartoons everything into a cohesive line but unfortunately that 3.75 inch scale yeah. uh they've they've kind of abandoned at this point well that's but, what super 7 is doing i mean i think that the super 7 is going what if alien toys had come out Right when the movies came out. Well, that's what the react. I mean, that's what the reaction that's line what reaction originally was. was. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, but it's but it's reaction. It's muscle. It's it's right. you know like it's the big the big alien. Yes. They, they're doing the big aliens, you know, and 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 I think that's they're they're sort of like it's the missing link. But but there is to they're to, re, they're sort of rewriting history to and go to say di- to go directly to your point though there is no toy line that has successfully incorporated not only as a toy line, but as a narrative successfully incorporated all of its elements together. Because here's the thing, Star Wars, to a certain extent, even prior to the Disney buyout, there was some continuity. To a certain extent, Aliens and Predator through Dark Horse Comics, through Fox Studios, had a certain amount of continuity. Whereas Mattel, with all the different iterations of Masters of the Universe, they never really gave a shit about that continuity. But you had Scott Knightley come in and say, I'm going to make all of this work, not only as a story, as a toy line that shares aesthetics and, and scale, but as a story. Yeah. Nothing has ever done that. Thank you, Scott Knightley, wherever you are. Uh, yes. Now, and, and, and I completely appreciate your choice to get the fuck out of the spotlight <laughs> and raise your family and, well, and dude, not no. have... Here's the thing, though. He got the fuck out of the spotlight, but he went to Jack's and created a whole new incredible what toy is, line. I have no. I actually have no idea what he's been doing since he left he, Man. What, dude, what's going on? 
he went to Jack's Pacific and created the Big Figs toy line, which is amazing. What is that? What is Big Figs? He's the one responsible for when you go to Target or Walmart and you see the like the 18 to 24 inch Star Wars or DC Comics figures. He's responsible for those. Huh. And they've, you know, they started out as being these really well, the simple. Five, the five point articulation? Five points of articulation. The, right. The, the, the larger scale figures. Super That's skinny, his, like really, like they fit in the super slender box. Uh, well, no, not the 12 inch no. ones. The ones that are in like a cardboard tray. Like okay. the big, the figures that are, uh, like if you hold up a ruler, they're six inches to 12 inches taller than a ruler. Okay. Um, that started out looking basically like gigantic versions of the old Kenner Star Wars figures. But right. over time, they've evolved in sculpt and paint because people have been buying the shit out of them. Because they have a lower price point. Because he figured out a way to produce them for a lower cost. Mm. And essentially, these things have taken the toy world by fucking storm. Because backs. Or, or uh, please edit. Sorry. Nope. Um, I will. I'm gonna make a high note. Time right. note. Yeah. Sorry. Um, because little B, you know, he he's got a Vader and a Stormtrooper that he loves that are I think are at the scale we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they're they're great, and and I want to get him. I I was seeing some of the the other ones that are like. Uh, Ant-Man and Black Panther and, and, you know, some more, like some more of the obscure, you know, not obscure now, but, you know, uh, less, you know, not Captain America, not Iron Man type type guys. Um, that, 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 that those figures are, he, he digs them. Like I, I, he, I can see that, that those are, the, the reason that they those are selling and they're connecting, they, they, yes, yeah, yeah, and right. that's that's Scott Nightlick is he went to Jack Specific wow. and he said if we can make a larger scale figure, then we can get all of these licenses that are so focused on the three point seven five inch or six inch figure scale, and we can make simpler articulation designs. But gigantic, they're, you know, they're dolls. Is what they are. And they're doll. They're dolls. The they're dolls. They're Barbie size. Yeah. You know, sort of, or, or even bigger than that. But well, they're, they're bigger gonna, than Barbie. But but they but they are. They're going to take they, up the same amount of shelf space in the toy store. But they're going to be bigger, and they're going to catch the eye, and people are going to like them. And he was right. Yeah. And I've got you know I've got Captain Phasma. I've got Boba Fett. I've got a Chewbacca that that Scott Knightlick is responsible for. Wow, that's great. I yeah. mean, I knew that he would do succeed with whatever he did. I just figured he would sort of like fly under the radar and No, he's like, he went I would honestly say that his big figs at Jack's are an even bigger success than Masters of the Universe Classics because Oh, they're definitely a more mainstream success. Yes, I mean, they're was, making it yeah. to mass market and they have been so successful that they're still around Five to six years after they started showing up, mm, and, wow. and 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 the uh, like the big gigantic like four foot tall figures like Batman that you see in Toys R Us or whatever mm-hmm. that's all him, man. Wow, yeah. wow, he good he, for him, man. He yeah. deserves. I hope he's fucking rolling in it. I think he is. He, he, I think he deserves is. the shit out of it, and 
anyone anyone who wants to fucking badmouth Skyline like to me can fucking suck it because I, I you know like there is no way to have been in the spotlight position that he has was in for years and years and years and years and not taken a just an extraordinary amount of shit just by being the face of a brand you know and 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 and, i don't i don't know where you can find it now but at one point uh he was posting online the story of how masters of the universe classics came about yeah he had a blog kind of thing going on Uh, yeah and if you read that, there's no way you can't absolutely fall in love with him. Yeah. Anyone, anyone who, who still has, you know, or, and, and even people who had it, the beef back then, like every, if you love He-Man, every single thing about classics that, that, that is beautiful and amazing and even fucking happened in the first place is because of that guy. Absolutely. And, and, and he took such a phenomenal amount of shit by being the face of that brand that I wish him all of the success and in the world for for being somebody who was passionate about something and had and, and you know and I I totally relate to this by being somebody who was passionate about something and had the fucking knowledge. Yes. To 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 do it and do it professionally well, and the, it, the knowledge, you know, and the drive. Right. Because his drive when you know when you go back and look at hit, you know him saying things he like He fought Mattel. Like he yes. he dragged Mattel kicking and screaming yes. to make what to make the toys that I have on my shelf happen. He and to, when when you all right, for the listener, you clock out at five o'clock. Let's just let's just make an across the board assumption. You clock out at five o'clock. Scott Knightley clocked out at five o'clock, but he stayed in the office and he went and he raided the archives of Mattel to find resources and materials and stories and all the things that the people that created the original Masters line uh, committed to files. He's digging through file cabinets. He's looking through fucking microfiche. And in his own personal off time, because he loves this line so much, he's pulling all of these files, he's writing new stories, he's creating new ideas, and he's going home five hours after all the rest of us clocked out. Yeah. Because he loves it. So And there's there's a very and I and I and this is something that I do at work. There is something when you dealing when you when you're dealing with when you deal in nostalgia when your bread and butter is nostalgia and you're dealing with geeks you can't get it wrong right because they because geeks can smell that fucking shit a mile away and you have to be completely 100% informed and on top of shit and and connect the dots to make it work you know like 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 doing the labyrinth ball and 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 selling ticket a ticket package for two tickets that that starts at $1000 on auction 
if you don't know Labyrinth and how to create that experience and what that means, if somebody spends that kind of money on that and you fuck it up and you, like, don't know what you're talking about, you you can't do that. Right, right. You have to have somebody who, who knows a property completely intimately and – and you have to know it inside and out. Real, you can't, you, you, real you know. recognizes real. Right. And any criticism that we may have ever had about Scott and I, like, and I, I won't speak for you, but for me, you know, I, I certainly complained about the classics line more than my fair share of times. But, oh, I had my, I have, I had my complaints, but, but at the end I, of the day, it was any <laughs> issues were because of Mattel. They weren't exactly. because of Scott Knightlick. No. He, you know, and, and even if it was on him, it was, he still had the best interest of the fans and the property in, 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 in his mind. Absolutely. And in his heart. And, and if there was a problem with it, you know, what he, what he, what he did vastly outweighs any missteps that he may have made. Yes, absolutely. I'm not going to say he's completely innocent because yeah, there are things that, that maybe, that maybe weren't great, but those were either put on him by Mattel or those were his mistakes that he made by being somebody who makes big decisions. Right. And I am completely hundred percent willing to let all of that go. And what's funny is for the good that he did is in 2018, if there was an announcement of Scott Knightlake is coming back to work with Super 7 to run the Masters of the Universe Classics line, I would be like, fuck yes. Yeah. I mean, well, I have I mean, no honestly, problem I'd be like, no, dude, you keep doing what you're doing and make more money than <laughs> you're making more money right now than you could ever make at Super 7. Yes. Like, yes. You're right. I, like, you're right. Like, you're like, like, hey, that's great for me and me and the fans, but. You shouldn't do that. Like, well, if, if, he, if he was like, <laughs> look, if he was like, look, I'm sitting on my big fig money. We're good to go. Yeah, sure. I'm right, going right. to come back and I'm just gonna help come out. back and do my retirement passion project. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Then yeah, I'd be completely on board. So, um, but I know for a fact that Super Seven could not pay him what he's probably oh, making no over shit. it. Yeah. Oh no shit. So to wrap this thing up, if. You had, let's say you're talking to somebody who is a toy collector, but who maybe has never gotten into Masters of the Universe or who doesn't quite get it. What would be your pitch? What would be your man? Uh, what would be your one figure? And, and I hate to put you on the spot this because this may be something that requires more thought than I'm allowing you. If you had to point to one figure from the entire history of Masters of the Universe to say to a to a toy collector, this is the figure that you have to have if you're going to call yourself a toy collector, mm. what would it be? Well, that's that is putting me on the spot. Um, I know it is. I'll tell you what. I, you I, think? Well, no, I want to answer you, it because I because okay, okay. I because I won't. I don't have the the real estate to to think about it later and come back. So, um, if you are a toy collector, 
and maybe you're not a big Masters of the Universe fan, I would say I mean the ultimates, you know, that that's if you if you if you just want to like represent he represent He-Man, then I think picking up the ultimate He-Man and Ultimate Ultimate Skeletor would be accessible. Mm-hmm. You know. Um I would probably say that one of my favorite pieces as a toy collector out of the entire line is, is still the Battle Ram. Oh, um, yeah, the classic uh, Battle Ram. The classic Battle Ram I okay. think is is perfection. Um if you were going to do like if I was to pick maybe a piece and and that's that's personal. And maybe and maybe that's too personal. Cuz that to me was like the Holy Grail, it was the thing that they, that when I hung out with other kids at their houses, they had that I never did. Um, so that stinks of, that stinks of my personal experience. So, so toy wise, <sighs> hmm. I would still say out of out of the entire vintage line Ram Man is still one of my favorite figures. If I had to pick a figure um because he 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 just breaks the mold of the reuse parts thing and and is at a hundred percent new new tooled figure, he's perfect. If I were to pick maybe a classics character, you know, he's one of the original eight, you know, uh, vintage, you know, vintage character toy wise. Um, that Ram Man figure is, and in, in, in there's something about just picking him up and holding him in your hand that that the weight of him feels real uh but if i if i had to say everything he man of all time it's tough cuz what the heck is representative as a collector of yeah. such a diverse line there's so much there. It's it's so bad. I mean, I'm, I'll tell I'm you sitting, what. I'm I'm staring at at my classics. So I, so I, and I know mine. I'll tell you mine. Let me tell you my two because I have two different. Depending on what we're trying to accomplish, I have mm-hmm. two different choices. One feel like, and this is weird for me. Because I'm the guy who was like, I don't give a shit about these human characters. But as a toy collector, if you're trying to represent a full toy collection of the history of toys, I think you have to have an original He-Man. Or yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that. that. Or wait, or a Battle Armor He-Man. Because Battle Armor He-Man 
was to me the second cycle of that line mm. where you still had He-Man, the blonde, attractive, muscular, big, strong representative of the line, but we've given him this gimmick. And I I love gimmicks when they're done well. I love and, battle I no, I, I, I love to me, the battle armor stuff. The mm. battle armor stuff is one of the best gimmicks in the history of toys. So mm. actually, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say Battle Armor He Man is my first pick, the original Battle Armor He-Man. I can totally get behind that. If you're a toy collector and you're trying to represent the history of toys, but if you're a toy collector and you're talking about the thing that's going to hook you, the thing that's going to make you go, fuck, I have to have more of this, I'm going to go with the Classics Trapjaw. Because Classics Trapjaw has... He's got, you know, all of the features of a general classics figure. He's got the great articulation, really poseable, lots of cool sculpted parts, the articulated jaw. He's got the loop on his head. Two different but, arms, like, yes. you know, like, he's yeah. Got, he, he's, he's got not, the different yeah. attachments for his arm. Like, he's he's one of the most feature-heavy figures of the classics line. And I feel like any toy collector worth a shit would get that classic strap jaw and be like, oh, I get this line now. I would put Roboto up there, too, in I would that too. same regard. And Roboto has the addition of the, the working gears and stuff inside. He, he's got everything, basically, the trap jaw does. The I, trap jaw does. Um, and the transparent body and the working gears and shit inside. There's so much going on in that figure. Um for the same reasons that you cite Trapjaw, I, w- I would say Roboto is like Trapjaw plus like 10. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You're not wrong, you know. but for me personally, Roboto's not as appealing as Trapjaw. No, no, he's you're, not. No, he's not. But you're but he, right. He does all the gimmicks and, you're right. and, and extra. Yes, yes. Um, but I think I figured it out. I actually, I think that that conversation helped me figure it out, and I think that my answer would be Vintage mini faces. Oh, nice! Because he has he has all the 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 bulk the muscliness of of He Man. Right. He, his action feature is completely unique at the time, and and it works a hundred percent of the time. Yes, he doesn't uh, wear out like Ram Man does. Yep. Yeah, most Ram Mans are broken. Right. Uh, you know, um. Uh, and the 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 it's a great example of a wonderful action feature, um, and it has the sort of techno. It has the it 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 sort of hits all the buttons, right? Yes, like it it's fantasy and science it's, fiction. It's got the monster. It's got the human with the yes. muscles, and it's got the robot. I mean, it it it. Checks all of the He-Man boxes. Oh right? man, that's a good, good yeah, call. I think, I think it's that, and and it's funny because there, the 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 holiday for He-Man is there's a California holiday that's He-Man Day, um, but then there's but the other the only other He-Man holiday is Bring Your Many Faces to Work Day. What? I didn't even know that. You didn't know about that? Yeah, no. there's a Bring Your Many Faces to Work Day, and everybody posts pictures. Of many faces on their desk. So my loyal subjects, many faces, lives on my desk at work next to my battle cat, uh, next to my super adorable battle cat. Um, and I, I would say that it, that, that vintage many faces 
represents everything that makes He-Man interesting and good, um, both both thematically, narratively, and with the action features of the toy. Man, and I wash my hands. Oh no, I, you would. That's great. It. I, th- I did it. I think. Uh, yeah, I think I did it. Yep. That's many great, man. All right. Many I I think I think we're good. What do you think? I feel pretty good. Um, I I think that there was a there was a part that I kind of wanted to go back to to talk about uh, 2002 getting me back into toy hunting uh, and like the driving all over town. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Something and and it was you know because I had not been into toys and and it right. got me it got me into like on like being a part of an online community. See, I was part I, of the online community. I we, already we, we threw a party. We threw a party at my apartment. For local masters of the universe fans, holy shit! Like really, four people showed up. <laughs> <laughs> but four See, people showed up. At that, you point, know, like we we did it. Like we we actually like engaged the community. And by, by the um, time by the time that line hit, I was already, and I actually kind of miss these days. Uh, but I was already into having like on payday from my job or jobs as it were, I would drive around to all the local yeah. targets and Walmarts and Toys R Us. I think Lionel Playworld was already dead by that time. Yeah, uh, Lionel Oh yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but back then in the early two thousands we also had uh all the independent toys just like if you're local to Georgia there was TNT Toys um, there, you could go to dirt malls and find toy stores. Like I would, excuse me, I would spend entire days on my payday mm-hmm. just driving all over the Metro Atlanta right. area, looking for new toys. And that was a very different experience from, from getting involved in classics where they just fucking showed up at your house. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and I was not a toy collector before 2002. And and the new show and the new toy line sparked that inside of me, and 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 it was fun. The hunt was fun, and it and and while I love the subscription and I love just having toys to show up at my house, um, I hadn't been part of that toy hunting commu- you know experience and and, and community until until He Man again until oh, He Man. Nice. You know, I wasn't I wasn't driving around town looking for Star Wars figures. I wasn't driving around town looking for, you know, GI Joes or Transformers. You know, uh, it, it that was an experience. And then you know, I was dating Sarah at the time, and, and we did it together as a couple, and that was really special and fun, and and it was a bonding experience for us. Um, I remember the the Snake Men figures coming in only at Aldi, like going to a grocery store. Oh, which wow. was the only place to buy. Oh, I don't even know about that. Figures, you didn't, yeah, the Aldi shit, man. It was it was crazy. I didn't even know that all, what an Aldi's was. No, and I didn't know what an Aldi's like, was until like four years ago. No, man, I I drove way 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 fucking far, and the all the whole Snake Man wave ended up at Aldi's for some reason, and it was towards the end, and 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 I remember. Going to Aldi's and buy God, this sucked. I went, ah. I went, and I drove all over town, and I, and I got like a uh, snake, snake warrior Fisto. 
it was like the snake the 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 fisto repaint oh wow um, for 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 the snake the snake wave uh and i took it over to my at then time best friend's house um and I am no longer. <laughs> it's just very uh, telling, but I am no longer best friends with this person, and and they're not in my life anymore. And I, I went over to his place, and I and I had my haul, and I and we were we were opening him up, and he promptly broke him. Ah! Like Ten minutes of him being open. No. Because uh, that's the kind of guy he was. Fuck. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, oh, I, but but that was that was part of it, and then and then classics happened, and then it wasn't a hunt, you know. It was right, just being. Right. It was a matter of like being on the internet at the right time of day and getting Dude, your. And you that's know. that's such a statement on toys in general today, because yeah. there's so much that you have to look at, or, or for you know, for somebody who collects a wide range of things, you look at it and you're like, all right. If I really want this figure, I need to go ahead and pre-order it from Big Bad Toy Store or Dorkside Toys or whatever because I don't want to take a chance that I'm not going to be able to find it in stores. Because there's a new line of uh, DC Multiverse has replaced DC Universe Classics. Mm-hmm. And their distribution, if it's not a movie line like Wonder Woman or Justice League... Uh, it's very questionable as to whether you're going to be able to find it at retail. And there's a new wave of DC multiverse figures that has Batwoman and the build a figure is this new Clayface that looks amazing and is based directly off of Clayface as he currently is in detective comics, which is one of my favorite comics right now. Mm. All right. So if I want that wave, I kind of have to go and look at like shit Big Bad Toy Store is offering a pre-order right now for the whole wave, and I don't know if I'll ever even see it at Walmart or Toys R Us. Mm. So I have to fucking order it, which I do it because I want those figures, but it bums me out because I miss the hunt. Yeah. And I haven't been on the hunt. You know, other than I I was, other than the loyal, I was, you know, loyal subjects, but even then, you're just looking for the the boxes. You're right, not even right. like you're not rifling through the peg. You're just hoping to find them somewhere. Yeah. It's not right. You're specific. hoping to find them. Actually, the brand right, is right, there. Right, right, right. That's all you're hoping for. Um, I, I still haven't had the moment of finding the. You know, I was, I was, I was secretly hoping that, not secretly, but you know, hoping <laughs> that that I would that I would come across the Mega Constructs guys. Right, right. Um, and I never did because I think they were exclusive to Walmart. They're Walmart um, exclusive. Yeah, and I, and uh, well, I just, to my knowledge, they're Walmart exclusive. And Walmart has specific displays. Like if you go to their toy section, they have about a four foot section that's just right. the me- Mega Block stuff. Yeah, and I never in in the handful of times I have been in a Walmart, which is not many, um, I, I never saw them. Yeah. So, but but there was always that sort of secret. Like I'm gonna pop off, you know, to the toy section just in case, you know. Um, and it never, you know, I, I I never lucked out, but but it but it was it was a different experience, and but but it was 2000x. It was the, it was the cartoon, 
it was the perfect storm of the cartoon and the toys that, that got me back into toys at all. Right. Right. Um, you know, and, and now I'm, I'm, I was very happy following classics. You know, I listened to the podcasts, you know, um, and it was the only real sort of like online community other than puppetry that I was engaged in. I didn't listen to podcasts that weren't about He-Man. Um, uh, you know, it, it was my fandom and it is my fandom and, and I'm still proud that He-Man is my fandom. Um, there's never a part of me that, that regrets, uh, loving He-Man. Right. Because I think that it's positive. I think that it's beautiful. I think that it embraces diversity, uh, across every board. Um, and you know, it's just fucking rad. Uh, and, and of all the things that I could have picked to be my one thing, I still have no regrets about being He-Man at all. Mr. Bo Brown, I think that's a beautiful way to close out this episode. Thank you. Uh, I hope that a year from now, we are back talking about the differences in Super 7's Masters of the Universe line. I hope that we have plenty to discuss, but I am glad that in 2018, we have taken a look back at the entirety of the Masters of the Universe Classics line. Well, Masters of the Universe so in, Masters general. Of, yeah, in general. Yeah, 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 everything. And uh kind of laid it down, man. Yeah. Laid it down. Absolutely. All right, we gotta. You gotta sign out. You gotta. You gotta give it. You gotta do it. Well, thank you all for listening. I appreciate you taking the time, and I wish you all good journey. Yes. Hey guys, you like that interstitial music that uh, is after the intro of every show, right? Well, then you want to visit the mysterymenofsurf dot com. Or Mystery Men Surf at Facebook or Facebook.com slash Mystery Men Surf. And check out the guys that provide that music because they're great. They play around Atlanta. They've actually played all over the country. But uh, check out the Mystery Men of Surf.com. Find their music. Find out where they're going to be playing. I love those guys. They're weird and they're from outer space, but they're really good. And uh, I'm old, old, old friends with their drummer. He's he's one of the best. He might be related in some way to somebody uh, that works for Needless Things. But that's neither here nor there. We don't need to discuss that. What we do need to discuss is that there's going to be a lot of content coming out soon. We're going to have a live toy panel from Days of the Dead Atlanta, which, by the way, is happening now. There's still time for you to go there's still time for you to get your passes and see the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show Special Horror Edition at 10 p.m. tonight. That's Friday, February the 2nd. And there's obviously still plenty of time for you to get in and see the Toy Stories Horror Panel, all about horror toys, at 4 p.m. Saturday, February the 3rd. And if you don't make it, I understand. Look, the needless things live 200th episode is one of the biggest things I've ever done in my life. But 
you know, I get it if you didn't make it. It's okay. It's okay. Because you listen to the show, you spread the word, you share it, right? Right? You share it. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vix employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.